Well, good morning, listeners, and welcome to Lanky Eyes Podcast <laughs> on this beautiful, snowy Thursday morning. We're at a temperature of 10 degrees in Boulder, Colorado. Traffic is light. All is well. Thanks for coming to the podcast. <laughs> oh, greetings, hey. friends. I'm Father Peter Mazza. I'm Scott Powell. And you're listening to The Word on the Frozen Hill. We are the Frozen Hill, and we're the, we're the lanky guys. We had some... Um, Really cold weather. You were gone for it. You must. But dude, I was. A, I was. A, I was in Baltimore in, in Washington D.C. I flew out to uh, go see Stevie Wonder in concert. <laughs> He's doing an eleven-city tour of playing songs in the key of life, and there's just like it. You, this is the thing: is that when somebody says, "What's your favorite album of all time, Father?" and I say, "Songs in the Key of Life" um, by Stevie Wonder. That when the concert for your favorite album from all time, if you were caught on a desert island with one album, yeah. That album, and then they say, hey. Would you have a record player? Well, would you so have just electricity? The <laughs> I mean, say, this is the whole can. <laughs> this is like, you would have to actually like get like pine needles and like rig them up somehow a with a string in your cord. ear. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to like do deep sea diving right. to get tapped into power. Here's what I think is funny. I hope you don't mind me <laughs> Okay, talk to me. I just saw some business emails that I was CC'd on with you. <laughs> I know the reason for your trip to Baltimore was to go see Stevie Wonder, but on your business emails, you're like, oh, as I was attending the USCCB conference in Baltimore this weekend. <laughs> I tell you, you know, it's funny. You totally pulled that. I was like totally just sleeping on floors. I, I was, I was like the, yeah. the, I was like a f- total freeloader at the Bishop's Conference, which is the weirdest <laughs> I was a thing. freeloader at the Bishop. <laughs> now that's your memoir. If you write a memoir, that should be the title. <laughs> freeloader at the Bishop's Conference. Oh my, it, Man, what a great title. It is actually a really great title. That'd be a good podcast, too. It'd be like, you know that po- that website, Whispers in the Logia? Yeah, yeah, which I met Rocco Palmo. Did you? And had a conversation with him. We should have a Lanky Guys version of that really kind of heavy-hitting news site called yeah. Freeloaders at the Bishop's Conference. <laughs> be the same concept, but it, 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 just it, much lower class. Absolutely. Well, it, it was fun because I... I um. I basically, I was just like, "Hey, do you have an extra bed?" I was like asking <laughs> to Rocco Palma. No, to oh. just to, actually, I ended up staying with uh, Father Randy Dollins, who's the vicar general in the in his hotel room. Yeah, yeah. Because I was just going to sleep <laughs> on the floor in Kevin's place. And why didn't you just, just like, stay with Father Kevin? Because he was staying with Bishop Nicholas, and oh, so yeah, was, that's weird. I'm going to sleep on the floor between. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, thanks, thanks for letting you're me the, come, guys. Man, you're the best. It was I like, love that life. That's your life. Uh, you know, what's funny is is uh, Fa- Father Brady. Um, uh, speaking of of like band names or blog names and stuff, um, <laughs> okay. uh, Father Brady was going through one of my favorite books of all time, and he was looking through it because I left it in our chapel, and Uh-oh. and he said. There was literally in the entire book, there was nothing underlined except for <laughs> one thing with a note on the side. Yes. It, it, it said, this societal lie. And it was underlined and, and it just had a star and it says, great band name. <laughs> and in, the enti- in my favorite book, there was nothing else underlined. Oh, he man. said, he said it was, he's. Oh, he, your little brain. He said that was like the best thing ever. I mean, that just because. best. And I just, I just love. Oh man, the fact that he, he totally discovered. That's the best. One of my great band names. It was oh. the Art of Living by he's Dietrich steal, von. He's gonna Hildebrand. steal it. He is the band name. He's gonna start a band. Oh man, somebody else is gonna. Um, yeah. Tough break, man. It, it's it's a very emo kind of band name. That's you know? all right. He's a little emo. Yeah. All right. Let's get the show on the road. It is the 33rd Sunday at an ordinary time. But hold on. Before we get oh, yeah, the sorry. show on the road, 
I just want to say thank you to everybody who sent in feedback mm. over the last week. Indeed. Um, there's like, you guys have so much love for us. I got one email that made me choked up. It, Little it, tear came down. Dude, and I, I got like, I got emails from friends from high school. I got emails. So Not about Monica, the podcast, but just. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so Monica sent me an email, oh said, God. you know, stay yourself. And Chris Giles, thank you for your email. It choked yeah. up Scott. And. And uh, and uh, it was he made an argument as to why we are sort of annoying, but we should stay that way. Yeah, and to summarize, yeah. So thank you guys. Yeah, and so it, you we guys, will... and the overwhelming thing is, be authentic is is really what you guys are saying that you like. You like actually listening to us, even though sometimes you have to fast forward. The but that's like, <laughs> isn't that the way with all your friends? <laughs> Yeah, I have to fast forward a lot. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, we will try to be as professional as possible and be as tight and give you a good podcast, but we will still be us, yeah. which and, is the way to do anything. And I do make a pledge to all of you, especially wow. Brenda, um, that I will no longer eat on the podcast. Thank that has you, been that has been one of the, the, it's the been things. It's been continuous. Yeah, people are like, Father, seriously, you, you have <laughs> got to stop. And I'm like, okay. So so I, I now make a pledge to you, Scouts Honors. It does come up a lot. Yeah. In our emails and things. <laughs> so, so thank you. So, um, back to the podcast. Well, and this is the podcast, and we're well. Talk to me. I'm just going to tell everybody. You know, we we love this podcast. We love what we do. We want to grow this part of our ministry. And if you ever want to host the Linky Guys to come and give a talk at your conference or do a live version of the podcast, send us an email and we'll see. We can make it work because we would love to do stuff like that. Absolutely. We're awesome and we're super fun in person. Uh, we're it, delightful. Yes. That's it, what my mom says. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And and also right now we're presently looking for sponsors to the podcast. And we Indeed. have we have a couple of inquiries uh, and we're looking for um More. Uh, for the, the stuff that uh, really can be beneficial to our listeners. Indeed. So uh, if if that's uh, if that's something that you're interested in, then we uh, would love to be able to have some sponsors so that uh, um, you who listen uh, get even more amazing things. Indeed. All right, now let's get the show on the road. 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, also known as St. Margaret of Scotland's Day. Woo, Margaret of right. Scotland! So the first reading is coming from Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 through 13, 19 through 20, and 31 through... Thir no, no, 30 through 31. 31. That's that very, would be super embarrassing. Yeah, that's very proverbial of you. Thank you. I don't even know what that means. It okay, means it's a problem. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I got, I got it. And then we're into the Psalm uh, of the one twenty-eight. Yeah, one to two, three, four to five, and then one A is our verse, our antiphon, not our versicle. Versicle. That's actually the letter, by the Sorry. way. Sorry, that's okay. All right. Second reading comes from First Thessalonians, chapter five, verses one through six. Thessalonians. And then our um, uh, Alleluia comes from John 15, 4a and 5b. <laughs> We've never done that before. Uh, but just to let you know, the Alleluia verse does come from Scripture, awesome. in case you're ever wondering. So, so does, okay. The long form of our gospel is Matthew 25, 14 to 30, but you do have the option to go um, 25, 14 to 15, 19 to 21. If you're a was. Who <laughs> said that? Oh my Is there a gosh? Guest? What happened? I don't know. I heard somebody poked their I, little head in. I think that that was a liturgy geist. 
<laughs> Who just said if it was not so early in the morning, I would not have laughed at that. I know, dude. This is everything's what, brighter today. It is okay. Well, All right, let's, let's jump in because let's um, jump because the uh, the proverbs are uh, they're kind of cool. Uh, well, hold on before we get going. Thirty third Sunday in ordinary time. After this is Christ the King. It's, it's the end. So what and happens? And then we have Advent. And then we have Advent. So basically, it's like this is the summation of all of creation is Christ. Uh, well, it, it's really funny because Christ the King is actually a tautology. Oh. We could actually just call it Christ Sunday just because it's he's the king. Oh, because he is the king. Yeah. yeah. Christ of Christ's. Mm. Oh, Christ the Christ. Christ the Christ. King the king. King of the king. Because that does just mean the same thing, yeah. Yeah. That's what a tautology is. I know. <laughs> I know what a tautology is. <laughs> All right. Is, I don't know why. I did. I'm sorry that I just you're said goofy. that. I know it's because this is because I've had like four gallons of coffee today. And uh, I, I got you a big it. one. And I went to bed at like eight o'clock last night. I, did you? Yeah, and I spent some time in the hot tub, and then I got in the shower, and now I'm like drinking coffee, and I've been studying scripture, and I've cleaned my room. You were in the hot tub this morning? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, negative five in the hot tub that's 104 is like the happiest moment when the sun isn't even risen up yet. Risen up. Okay. And I will raise you up. Okay, we should get the show on the road. No. I <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Proverbs 31. Um, okay. When yeah, one, Proverbs 31. When one finds a worthy wife, her value is far beyond pearls. Her husband, entrusting his heart to her, has an unfailing prize. She brings him good and not evil all the days of her life. She obtains wool and flax and works with loving hands. She puts her hands to the distaff, which I have no idea what that is, and her fingers to ply the spindle. She reaches out her hands to the poor and extends her arms to the needy. Charm is deceptive and beauty fleeting. It's true. The woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her a reward for her labors and her her work. Let her work praise her at the city gates. Okay. So, um, word about Proverbs. Okay. What's Proverbs? What is that doing? Well, thanks for asking. Hey, what is that doing? <laughs> Proverbs uh, is basically a collection of wise sayings. They probably originated with Solomon. I'm sure there's sayings of Solomon in here, but these are not exclusive to King Solomon. Okay. Um, a lot of them are probably in memory of him. They were probably compiled um, much later and put together. And part of we know why we know that, so again, they probably originated with King Solomon. But there's also sayings, even the headings of the book, say that there's sayings from various wise people, like a guy named Agur, a guy named Lemuel. Lemuel if I'm pronouncing that right. That's a really weird name. Lemuel's mother is actually where we get our reading from today. Oh. It's another wise sage named Lemuel, and he got some wisdom from his mom. <laughs> and, and that's actually where we get um, this. And and basically, it's it's the last section of the book. It's the very last part of the book of Proverbs. And again, what it relates is the sayings of a king. So Lemuel um, was one of the kings of Israel. He wasn't just a sage. And it's kind of beautiful, especially thinking of it as Catholics. Here's a king of Israel who is conveying wise sayings that were given to him by the queen mother, this role oh. called the, the Gebera. So in ancient Israel and other ancient kingdoms, there was the very specific role that the queen of the kingdom of Israel was not the, the king's wife, because unfortunately, and it wasn't right, but for whatever reason, but because of sin, um, kings would, would often have multiple wives. Which again, that was wasn't permitted. It wasn't a good a good it thing. But always they did it. Ba- bad things always happen to those who bad have many things wives. Always happen. But if there's a bunch of different wives of the king, then who do you ch- how do you choose who the queen is? Well, there's a bunch of wives, but there's only one mom. And so all through kingdoms of the ancient Near East, the queen mother became this very important role, and she was the queen. 
And people would actually bring, and you see evidence of this in, in uh, the scriptures, people would bring the queen mother their petitions and they would say, this is what we need. These are our needs. These are our desires. Please take our petitions to your son, the king, because we know that he will listen to you. And of course, what, you know, this is where we get our understanding of Mary, who's the queen mother, the queen of heaven and earth, because that's not, that was a tradition that existed in Israel. But this is kind of neat because... Even though we know of this tradition, we see a couple references in the Old Testament. Here we get kind of a beautiful insight into a king who's really taking to heart the words of his queen mother, his Gebera, and he's sharing it with, with us for all ages. And this happens to be uh, advice about finding a wife, <laughs> which every, you know, every good mother gives good advice about finding a wife. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, it's interesting. That's the right thing. Which is the right thing to do. I, so here's, I, I was... Okay, so that's interesting. It's neat. And, you know, it talks about a worthy wife and the virtue of her. And she obtains wool and flax, which is always a good thing. And, and you know, she's she's good and she's good at things and she's virtuous and beautiful and all this, which is great. But I was looking at all these readings together and I, trying to figure out, okay, and I don't know what you came to when you read through all the readings together. But I, c- what, I couldn't, actually. I what, was struggling. What I get, and this is, this is, I'm reading it subjectively as me, but what I get is instruction on the vocation of marriage. And I think the gospel reading, in conjunction with the first readings, actually speaks to it. So I'll, I'll hold off for now on more on that. But I think what it's saying is, what is the, to me, and it just says something different to other people. And maybe you could just say, what is, um, what is the responsibility of vocation? So, well, I, I, want, I want to get ahead of myself, but I'll hold on to it for then. But I think that's what the parable of the talents in the gospel is really all about. God has given us all vocations and gifts, and the que- he's given me a wife. He's given us a relationship. The question is, what are you going to do with that vocation that he gave you? So anyway, mm. more on that More on that soon. Oh, I can see that. Don't call me a moron. And um, that's good. <laughs> you know, I can see like, what you're talking about. <laughs> I just slipped that one in there. You know? um, so yeah, so... Well, gosh. Well, then let's let's look and see if um boom. If, see if uh, the uh, see about vocation as gift let's in this one. If, let's see if this comes out. This is um Psalm one twenty eight, which, which is interesting because um as soon well no I mean I I, I don't want to pass pass this on because um uh, vocation is like so you've been you've been given the gift of a wife as a vocation correct. And I have not been given the gift of a wife as a vocation. Correct, that's, as far as I know. I, I mean, that's um, that's not um, <laughs> as <laughs> far as I, huh? anybody knows. But charm is deceptive and beauty fleeting. Yeah, like that's uh, uh, the the strange thing about um, the um, the church is this because in some sense I look at the my my vocation as being married to the church. Um, uh, that that um but at the same time hmm. you're looking Definitely. and seeing me yeah. and you're saying like a, a charming priest that it is doing extravagant wonderful things like there there's also a certain sense in which uh beauty and charm um they're not what it's comprised of unless you're looking to a deeper beauty not, yeah. and i think that the proverb is actually speaking of something that's that's a, that's surface wise things yes. that, that can decay and fade that, oh absolutely um and that and that charm is something to be very you have to be very careful very weary, about charm. wary of wary weary wary 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 <laughs> it's the wiry guys. It's the wiry guys. So, um, so whereas fear of the Lord, so so the desire to actually act for God, yes, 
is, is what is really the most honorable because you can have a beautiful church, you can have an ugly church, you can have, um, you know, a, a charming priest, a, a not so. We have a little priest. bit of both. Yeah. That whereas whereas the 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 desire to please the Lord is ultimately the most beautiful and most profound thing that that is actually really desirable in a vocation. Yeah. Um, otherwise, what are you acting to? Because if you start to surrender yourself towards charm and the things looking good, you get into trouble like right now very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's respond to that. Yeah, that's absolutely in, in psalm form. <laughs> <laughs> so I was reading a commentary on Psalm 128 yesterday that w- began by saying if you read the New Testament— you could get the impression that the New Testament frowns upon marriage in a certain sense because you get all these sort of negative-sounding uh, impressions. You know, St. Luke talks about marriage being an impediment to one's entry into the kingdom, right? You have to abandon father and mother and wife and, and spouse, and you have to hate your wife or your father and mother if you want to love me. Um, and then know, you've got St. Paul who's Saint saying, Paul if, who, if you remain unmarried, do remain as such because yeah, it's yeah. way harder to please God and a spouse. Yeah, all these things. And then you have how people misinterpret Ephesians 5. It's just, it's sort of a weird bag if you kind of read through and you're like, oh boy, what do we do? Um, but at the same time, if you if you take all of Scripture together, and I don't, I, I think those are misreadings. But I love um, that in the Old Testament. So one of the things that's fascinating about the Old Testament, as as salvation history moves forward, you have God's people coming to slowly coming to deeper understandings about what the reality of God's will is. And so, if you go back to Deuteronomy, I taught a class on Deuteronomy a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. If you go back to Deuteronomy. Um, the De- the book of Deuteronomy kind of kind of ends by by giving the series of blessings and curses, say saying if you're faithful to the covenant, you will be blessed by these things. If you're unfaithful to the covenant, you will be cursed by these things, right? Yeah. And if you read through them, they're all temporal things. They're all things like, well, if you if you're unfaithful, you're going to lose your land, and your crops are going to die, and your pigs are going to bite you, and you're you know all these things that are very <laughs> very right here and now. And the understanding of God's people for a long time was well. If we're good people, if we're faithful, then we will be blessed in this life. If we're unfaithful, we will be cursed in this life. And then as time moves on, you kind of get this idea that, well, wait a second. Here's a bunch of good people that seem to be suffering in this world. How can that be? And then you got, you know, Abraham and and Sarah, and they can't have children, but they really want them. Well, why not? And why are these, why are bad things happening to good people? And then why do you see all these terrible people who seem to be thriving, right? The Psalms talk all, all over about that. Well, why are yeah, the whole scripture is about that? Exactly. You know? And you have this idea that the people of God actually have to come to a deeper understanding of what blessing and curse actually is. Ooh. And so what this psalm is beginning to do is show that blessing actually extends beyond just what's happening to you. It actually overflows into your family. But if you take it in conjunction with the proverb before it, it's not simply what your eyes see, right? I mean, the psalm is all about, blessed are you who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your handiwork, right? That's very tangible. Blessed shall you be and favored. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine and the recesses of your home. Your children like olive plants are on your table, my olive plants are always super loud and rowdy around our table. <laughs> they keep trying to rip olives off and throw things at each other. So I don't know what these olive olive plants are like. But but it's this idea that, look, everything's going to be perfect. Your life is going to be fine. Your children will be well-behaved and sit at your table, and that's how you know if you're a good person or not. And you can read it at face value and be like, well, do I just suck because my kids are terrible around the table? You know, what What do you do? Yeah, but that's yeah. where I love it kind of combined with the proverb because, what, like you said, what the proverb is saying is you need to look a little deeper because 
guess what? Beauty is fleeting. And all of these things. What was the other one? Your Charm is, is deceptive. Charm is deceptive. Well-behaved children at the dinner table, I don't trust. <laughs> frankly, <laughs> there's something else going on there. And I love kind of taking those two things into account because God is going to bless you in the ways that he blesses the people around you. Your life will actually bear fruit, but the fruit might not look quite like what you expect it to look like all the time. Mm. And what we're responsible for is really what we do with the fruits that God has given us. So if our lives bear fruit, what do we do with those fruits? Because that's, I think, and I'm, I'm trying to head toward our gospel, Yeah, because yeah. that's ultimately what we're getting at. I, I mean, I'm thinking of even what you brought up before we started the podcast this morning. Uh, you are so proud of your daughter, Lily, oh. because th the mountains are just beautiful today. And 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 like it, you want to if you want to know what I think fruitfulness is, is what your daughter said, mm. which is what? So we were driving to school today and it's freezing still in Boulder, but it's been cloudy the last couple of days. And finally, the sun came out today and the mountains are just, they're, they're unbelievable. They're all white. They're like these crystallized things. and They're shining in the sun. And Lily was just looking at it as we were driving. And she's like, <laughs> she said, I might just spend recess just staring at the mountains today. And she's six. And I'm just like, that's so cool. I love, you just want to contemplate the mountains during recess. I mean, this is the thing is that, is that. I don't know if she will, but. Yeah, yeah. But, but the desire is to yeah. say, I would be refreshed by contemplating beauty. Yeah. Like, like you want to talk about fruitfulness mm. of, of life. Sure. At the dinner table things, she might be going totally crazy and poking Samuel and like, just, and, and like, just not eating. You know what I mean? It's like what kids do. Last but night she put snow pants on his head. <laughs> <laughs> That's a story for another time. <laughs> story for another time. But, but this is the thing is to, to say, oh my gosh, hold on. I've engendered in my daughter the reality that contemplation mm brings refreshment yeah and now it, it may have spontaneously arisen but this is the thing is that at the same time there you are her parent and like that's the that's like the best now now it's like charm is deceptive or my hope is beauty that is fleeting whereas is and the but the recognition that beauty refreshes is so cool yeah well my hope is that i don't think i i think that was just who she is that's who she made her to be but my hope that's who God made her to be. But my hope is that we actually have given her a family where who she is can actually thrive and bear fruit. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've conveyed that to her. I'm a weird. Well, no, I mean, but you, hopefully you, we've yeah, given yeah. the setting where she can actually be. And that's that's your job as a pastor. That's my dad' job as a father. It's not to shape our children, but it's to allow who God made them to be to flourish. And do right? yeah, and encourage those things and say right. yes. Do you recognize that that is actually even ref that's refreshing? Right, right. You don't have right. to just entertain, but you can contemplate, and that is actually how we live our lives. Yeah, like you, she just tapped something inside of me that is like is what we're supposed to be about. I mean, sitting down and, and contemplating the way that sunlight hits the snow, yeah, dude. and being able to engage that and letting letting the beauty of that actually reflect throughout your day is. Um, capitalizing on what God gives us. So, yeah. So let's let's go to the Thessalonica. Thessaloniki. That's the Thessaloniki. Dude, that always makes me think of tiki torches because of the iki. <laughs> that's where they're from. Thessalonica tiki torches. That's yes, that's, that's what it, it, that's precisely. If I was going to have a tiki torch company, I would call it <laughs> Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki. Nah, nah not so work. good. All right. Anyway, Thessaloniki. Thessalonians. Um. <laughs> Here's what I want to say about the beginning. Just a little bit of context. The letter of Paul to Thessalonians, it's probably one of his earlier ones. Okay. Um, it's one of the shortest. But 
one of the things we discover about the church in Thessalon- Thessalonica, Thessaloniki, I've heard it called both. Okay. Just to ran on your parade. <laughs> but one of the things that they're struggling with, so these are um, non-Jewish converts to Christianity. So they've come from some sort of paganism, and they're now Christians. And one of the things that their church happens to be struggling, so remember, all of Paul's letters are what we call occasional. So, I mean, they're written for a specific purpose. They're written on an occasion. There's something that the church is struggling with or dealing with, and Paul's usually addressing those things. So one of the things that they're dealing with and struggling with in Thessaloniki is this idea of the afterlife and this idea that, okay, we're from paganism. We're from all these things. We have no sense of this thing called an afterlife. All we know is, again, this this very old understanding of blessing here and now. Once you die, you're dead. It's done. So gain up as much treasures and as much fruitfulness as you can on this earth because that's how you know if you've lived a good life, right? That's the idea. Yeah. Because after this, who knows? And, I mean, really what... Um, what they're saying is, okay, so you're telling us, okay, we get this Jesus. We understand that. He died on a cross. He rose again. Okay, fine. That's great. But now, wait a second. Our loved ones who've died, what's the deal again? So you're saying that they're going to be raised back up someday and they're, there's what's happening to them? Okay, we love Jesus. We got that. We're trying to live good lives. But what do I think about my grandma who believed in Jesus who's died now? How do I look at that? How do I approach that? And Paul goes into this whole thing about approaching it with a, a true spirit of Christian hope. And we have hope. We don't mourn like the, we don't grieve like the pagans do, right? Yeah. Who have no hope. We actually look for a hope and add on to that this whole idea that we believe in this thing called the resurrection of the dead. I mean, um, for most of the ancients, there was this understanding that once you died, if there was something after this life, it was simply that you could be free of this prison cell of a body that we had, right? Yeah. The physical things is bad, and so we can we can transcend that and eventually finally be free of this. Now, you Christians are telling me, wait a second. Hey, guess what? All you people who think the body is a prison, once you die, you're going to get it back. <laughs> and like, oh, no. <laughs> like, we thought we were done with the body. And they're like, why is that a good thing again? And so Paul's explaining in this section, chapter 5, why this matters, what Christian hope is, what it means when we die. And so he says, concerning times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you have no need for anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When people are saying peace and security, everything's fine. I have all the stuff that I need. My life is good. I've got all of my things and all of my possessions and my children are well behaved and my wife is beautiful and everything's great, right? When you're saying peace and security, that's when sudden disaster will come upon them. Like labor <laughs> like labor pains upon a pregnant woman, woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, you're not in darkness for that day to overtake you like a thief. For all of you are children of the light and children of the day. We are not um, of the night or darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as the rest do. Let us stay sober and alert. Because there's going to come a time when all the things that look good in your life could slip away and vanish. And where will your hope be? What happens when, oh, I don't know, when you lose your job or your house is foreclosed upon or your children leave the church or, you know, any number of things? What are you going to do when everything around you seems to be crumbling? Will you be able to hold on to your hope? Because that will, that can and will happen. Um. It, I, I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a more explicit connection, but I mean, the connection with the first reading, I think, is clear. I mean, beauty is fleeting and charm is deceptive. I mean, when everything is saying everything's great, everything's peaceful, everything is good, 
that's when you should worry. As a very melancholic personality, I'm very <laughs> distrustful of when things are going well. <laughs> I'd rather things be going poorly because at least I know what's going on. I mean, I think you can make a case. You were just at the bishops' conference. I mean, I think you could make the case that the church is in a bit of a state of confusion right now. And we're racked by scandal, and people are accusing us of things, and nobody knows where the bishops stand on certain things, and everything's just a little bit confused and going haywire, and people think we're bigots, and all sorts of things. And I think back to the fact that Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, back in the 70s, when he was just Cardinal Ratzinger, wrote that there was going to come a time in the church of crisis and scandal when the church would be stripped down and people would leave the church. But that stripped down remnant was going to become very strong and it was going to be able to fight. And it was going to have a lot of battles to fight because the world was going to turn against it. And it was no longer going to be comfortable to be a Catholic and, and culturally acceptable. It was going to get weird and dangerous. But that stripped down minority was going to become very, very strong. That's a great deal of hope for me because it's a, it, we lived through a time, certainly in this country, where it was just, it was really comfortable. It was really easy to be a Catholic. And you just, it's what everybody else was doing it. You know, you go to church, you do your thing. Yeah. It was there was a time when it was really easy to be a priest. You were really looked up to, you know, and the priests were the big shots of the of the town and clericalism was in full swing and all of these things and it's probably not the same reality for you to walk around Boulder no. with your Roman collar on. No, anyway. That's a different reality. Now. It is and and that's where it's not it's not charming and it's no. not pretty to actually no. be a Catholic right now. Right. And uh and and that but at the same time there's fruitfulness in it. Right. And the fruitfulness, is when you, this is the privilege that we get to have in doing campus ministry. And I mean, so many of you get this this privilege when you get to see the lights come on for yeah. somebody in their encounter with Christ and they come alive and they go, oh my gosh, I realize and I recognize what authentic beauty really is. Yeah. And I get to see myself in that light. And yes, I'm in for a fight, but... That's why I have a communion. That's why I actually have other believers who are around me. And that's why it's, it's, it says stay alert and sober. Yeah. Like, and, and in some sense, I think your melancholy, what you're talking about is sobriety. Like, like uh, when, when you get, you, when you get fat and happy, you're like, oh yeah, woo, I'm, I'm drunk on the power and the goodness of all of this stuff. Then you, then you lose the fact that no, it's, it's tough. It is real. And I remember the street preaching we used to do and, and how, how like it was some of the best training I got in seminary to go down and, and do street preaching because what you realize is that people on the street are not just, they're not just going like, hey, I'm ready to accept this. No, that you, you actually have to force yourself to communicate the beauty yeah. of what this is. And it's not charming. Yeah, no. We're not a gr charming group of people. I mean, okay, well, we are. Speak uh, for yourself. I mean, I am kind of charming. But I'm delightful. You are charming. That's what my mom says. <laughs> That's what, the lucky guys, we are charming, but that is deceptive. Oh, you have to shoot. listen. You have to listen underneath and see, is this actually a, a fruitful and rich reality? That's true. Or are we, because uh, this is the thing, is that charm can actually, we have to be charming in this age to actually help people to hear. That's why we have so much banter at the beginning. Like in some sense, clever as serpents and gentle as doves. Yeah, I mean, in some sense, what we're doing at the beginning of this podcast is a pedagogy. Yeah, it, it it's saying if you're going to encounter somebody in deeper things, you actually have to encounter them on the surface, and you have to you be, have to encounter them. Yes, 
all of their stupid taste in music and everything else. Oh, that they, no, what are that you trying to say about me? That's Sucker? not with regards to Stevie Wonder. I, I, I give know. full credit to Stevie Wonder. No, no, no. I bet I, but that's what we're trying to say. Yeah, is, right. It's like you actually have to be personable. And that's where we get into the Matthew. Yes. Is that, that people are, giving, are given real authentic value. Like, wow. like um, I, I was so transformed by um, John Paul II's desire to see God in everybody that he meets. Hmm. Like hmm. that as he, as he went through his days, it, like we are all literally made in the image and likeness of Christ, of God. God. I mean, who is Christ? Who God, is Christ, Christ. Is God, yeah, yes. exactly. But like, we are all made in the image, union, blah, blah, blah. Im- image and likeness of God, and so literally, you can go through your day and encounter God in everybody that you meet, and that's actually His secret to happiness and life yeah. and goodness, and that's where, um, where, but but then there's, we also live. I mean, I think we live in a problematic world in which. I'm not trying to sound well, negative. No, but, but wait. Sin, but, but, sin obscures. Sin obscures the uh, the the image. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, it does. It does. But here's my see. question. It, it, yes, that's true. Is it? But we look at it as though it's novelty to see God in another person, rather than ask the question: What actually is happening to us when we don't recognize that? Because there's actually consequences to that, and I think. It Ooh. feeds on itself, and this is where it's... I feel like I just got stuffed. I, I, <laughs> that was, we that all was do. good. That but was, we all do, I mean, in a certain good. sense. I mean, what, we, don't, we don't question what are the consequences when we don't. I mean, what are the consequences when I pass by the tabernacle in the church and don't acknowledge that Christ is in there? There's probably something wrong with that. What are the consequences when I pass by another person and don't recognize the image and likeness of God? Yeah. Namaste, Father Peter. Um, <laughs> but this... This parable. So this is the parable of the talents. So basically there's this guy, Jesus tells this parable. It's in the context of all the parables about the kingdom. Um, It's not explicitly stated in the opening lines, but but that's what he's been talking about. So basically the theme is this. There's a story about a man who goes on a journey and he gives his servants. So the man being Jesus goes on this journey. What's the journey? Well, he's about to go to the cross, to his passion, to the crucifixion, his ascension. I mean, this is the journey that he's about to go on. And he gives his servants, who are his servants? Well, the disciples are the ones right in front of him. He gives his servants these talents, um, each according to his ability. We don't know exactly what a talent is. A talent is a generic term that could be a lot of different things. Well, isn't it? Isn't it like a, a designation of weight? It's a designation of weight. That's exactly it. But... So we don't know exactly, there's no way we could know exactly what this is, but everybody knows that a a talent, all scholars are agreed that a talent, whatever exactly it is, is a really significant measure of wealth. So if, for example, this was a talent of silver, which is perfectly reasonable, what this means, which is kind of the middle of the road of what it could be, a, a one talent of silver is roughly the equivalent to 20 years wages for a, a worker. Oh, shoot. So think about how much money we're actually talking about here. $100,000. Hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars. This isn't just like, hey, here's a 20, go and invest it, and, you know, do, do the right thing. Here's a, <laughs> yeah, like here, grandpa, here's a government grandpa. bond for $40 that will <laughs> mature to 50 in 20 years. This is hundreds of thousands of dollars. That, and this is a ridiculous responsibility that this master is giving to these servants. This is not a, a, you know, a pittance. This isn't some insignificant thing. This is... A life's wage for somebody. This that, is a big deal. This is for real, dog. And five of those. Imagine that. And we're dealing with five millions peoples. of dollars. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, you know, some this first guy gets five talents. I know some people who like are like were chief investment officers who mm-hmm. were like who like actually like did this kind of stuff and were really good at it. And yeah. I'm very thankful for their generous generosity to people in ministry. Yeah, indeed, it's <laughs> really you. interesting, you know. It's true, and and we kind of know the story, right? So he comes he comes back after a long time, and he comes to the servants. He wants to settle accounts, and so the one who gave five, he said, "See, I've made you five more. I've invested them. I made five more. So now he has." 10 million dollars you know something ridiculous and the one who had two he doubled it he has two more the one who had one talent which is still again 500 who knows a lot of money (laughs) he said i buried it in the ground because i knew that you were a hard man here it is back here you go i didn't lose anything i didn't lose anything i didn't gain anything but i didn't lose anything and i give it back and then he's cast out to where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth now here's the question how does this relate back to the first readings how does this relate back for me, to marriage, to the wife question that we saw, we began this reading with. Ooh, and I'm reminded of my favorite passage in the catechism. So check this out. I, When I first read this, Annie, Annie my wife, found this. Oh. When we first read it, it changed. It literally changed my life. I mean, that's a safe thing to say. Here it is. It's paragraph 1534 in the catechism. It says- Which, which, uh, which you can drink uh, beer according to 1531. I always, nice. I always, remember, I always remember the the the, uh, the New Belgian <laughs> beer uh, for this catechism, even though it's not the exact same number. Well done. It'll get you in the oh, 1554. Yeah, 1554. Nice but, work. But it's 1531. 31. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's, this is 1534. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> here's what it says: <laughs> Two other sacraments, holy orders, and matrimony are. Di- well, let me let me preface this before I give you the give me a preface shell. When I was tiny bit of biography. I came back to my Catholic faith in college and I fully realized like what was going on here. I became, I, I came back from kind of the Protestant world and I became, I, I, I don't want to say I became Catholic because I was baptized Catholic. But anyway, you know, I, I was serious about my faith. And when I became serious about my Catholic faith, I became convinced, and a lot of young men do this. I don't know about young women maybe, but young men, I became convinced that if I really wanted to serve God, the only way I could do that really was as a priest. Because if I was a priest, then I could serve other people. I could evangelize. I could do all these things. Yes. If I was married, I just had to care for, care for my wife and family. So I was like, well, if I really want to change the world, if I want to do important things, I've got to be a priest. There's no other choice because I can't be really holy in any other way. I mean, you know, holiness and marriage, yeah, that's there, but you're just kind of focused on the other people and there's these other things. That was my understanding, and I, I went down which, the priest road. And which I is a very- Crashed no, and burned. Yeah, typical understanding. It's you, a really typical You crashed and burned? Do you not know the vomit story? No. The CFR vomit story? No. Oh, man. I should tell you the vomit story sometime. Tell us on the podcast. No, we, tell gotta, right we now. don't have time. How much time do we have? It's a personal story. Okay. It's uh, it's it's a little intimate for this. Okay. Let's anyway, just, regardless. Another time. It's for another time. Okay. There is a vomit story. Anyway. Um, but you're not called to be a burn, priest. Not called to be a priest. But then, so anyway, later on we found this. Here's what it says. Two other sacraments, holy orders and matrimony, are directed toward the salvation of others. So I thought, okay, if I get married, that's going to be toward the salvation of myself and my wife. Nope, toward the salvation of others. If they contribute to personal salvation as well, it's only through the service of others that they do. They confer a particular mission to the church to serve and to build up the people of God. What the Catechism says is that the purpose of holy orders is not just to make you or your wife holy. It's to save the world. You just said holy orders, not matrimony. Whatever, dude. <laughs> no, I'm just, it, it's, both, it's both and. It's both and, though. Yeah, yeah. Say, 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 say it again. Say it again for me. I needed to hear it again. The purpose of matrimony, the sacrament yeah. of matrimony, is not just to make you and your wife holy. 
It's to save the world. It's to actually have purpose and mission and to be a light to evangelize the world around you. That's what the family unit is supposed to do. It's supposed to be. So what does this have to do with our reading? Well, here's what it has to do. I have a beautiful, profoundly beautiful, wonderful, talented, gifted, holy wife. If I go back to God someday and I say, thank you for giving me this wife. Thank you for giving me this life. You know, I'm pretty confident that my wife and my kids are going to heaven. Thanks. Here you go. You gave me these people. Here they are back to you. Done. I'm like the guy who buried his talent in the ground. And I think that God's going to look at me and say, wait a second. What did your family that I gave you, what did your marriage do to save the world, to actually multiply upon itself? What did your children do to be saints? What did you do to be a witness to the world around you? Because I gave you this wife. I gave you this family. And you have a responsibility to me to have used that toward the salvation of others, not just to give my wife back to God, which I am responsible to do. I have responsibility as a husband to see that you know, my wife and I care for each other in spiritual matters and that we give each other back to God. But that's not enough. That's burying the talent in the ground, I think. This is how I read this. No, I'm loving this it. This is how I relate this to the first couple readings. Yeah. And the same can be said to your vocation. You can't just say, look, here's all the parishioners that you gave me. Here they are back to you. No, how did St. Thomas Aquinas actually impact the rest of the world? Act how did it impact Boulder? Act as a light. Not just, okay, I had these amount of parishioners. Here they are back to you. They all stayed in the church. Nobody, nobody committed apostasy. Done. That's not enough. That's how I read this. Dude, I love it. Well, because if you think about it metaphorically, okay, you— Which I love to do. A load of metaphors. I love mentimonies and synecdoches <laughs> and metalipsis. Let's go. Synecdoche, New York. Yes. Yeah, but this is the thing is that um, it, metaphorically you think, okay, well, what have you been entrusted with? Are you going to multiply it? Yes. Um, yeah, so you, right. you say um, 20 years worth of salary— so 20 years worth of what they bring in, are you going to actually invest that, pour it out and multiply mm. it? Um, and Because you've been entrusted with all these souls, each according to what the, what the Lord has, has meant for you. And, yes. and I look at you and Annie and hear two people who are saying, no, I've been given a ton. I've got to get it out. I've got to just bring it out into the world. And through Camp Oitiva, through St. Thomas Aquinas. And that's the thing that, that I just read a book called It's Your Ship. It's by this, uh, it, I know you have to pronounce that correctly. <laughs> Be careful. It's It's Your Ship. As um, it's a, uh, and it was this admiral who took the worst, per I mean, this captain, ship captain, who took the worst performing um, ship in the Navy and turned it into the best. Uh, USS Benfolds. Benfold, um, not Benfolds. That's five? Benfold five. Benfold. <laughs> no, Benfold. And, and he flips it so that it becomes a light to all of the Navy. But he took that ship and then it became a light. And he said, you know what? And, and the way he did it was actually through personalism, through mm. giving people responsibility so that they themselves claim the talents that they have and multiply them mm. and give them away, give them to the other people around them and then give them to the ship, give them to the Navy mm. to transform the Navy. Mm. And that's, that wow. was actually, he, uh, it was these people who were totally not expected to do anything. Wow. The, and all these people who were burying the, the giftedness yeah. that they had. 
Um, and but then now they are actually giving it back to the captain, giving it to the other people around, and they became a light to the navy. Wow! And that's actually what we're meant to do. And so I, I really Absolutely. encourage people. I, I've been totally, even if you're not interested in management um, theory or anything like that, it's just huh. a good story. It made me cry. A management book that kept making me cry because it was <laughs> filled with personalism. My brother Neil turned me on to it, and man, I am I'm like way impressed with it. And like, um, wow. it's like. Uh, so I, I just I just That's think awesome. that I think that it's right, and so with the vocations yeah. that we've been given and the and the, the personal giftedness that we have, what, are we actually trying to get it out to other people? We like, think too small. We think too small. We Catholics think too small. I mean, it, it's really interesting because like I have a lot of skills. When I was a kid, I was insecure. I thought that that love. Um, it, it, <laughs> I thought like um, what's that one um movie where he has the llamas in like Salt Lake City? Um, uh, I don't know. It, vote for Pedro. Um, oh 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 um, Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite. Basically, he <laughs> he was weird way to describe. That. I know. All right. He, but uh, Napoleon Dynamite. He said, you know, girls love guys with bow staff skills and nunchuck skills. Like I was that guy, and mm. I so I started developing skills so that I could get love rather yeah. than and and so I have like a, a, some absurd amount of skills yep, I have all of true. these things that I can do and what I'm actually trying to do now in my life is to say no I want other people to learn how to DJ how to do mm. podcasts how to take pictures how to actually engage the skillfulness um, that I've garnered I want to hand that on to other people because the more people who can do these amazing things the better we all have because yes. You know, charm is deceptive. Yes. Like if we're just developing these things so we can be charming, so that we can be or loved, impress people, or... and impress people, so that w it's focused right. on us rather than saying no. Like I've got all these things and I love them and I want to give them away. Right. Then, then, then we're just burying ourselves like like a, like an ostrich with our head in the stand, Absolutely. sand, or the stands, the stands, Either head way. in the stands. <laughs> yeah, man. So, y'all, that's it. So don't bury your head in the stands. <laughs> Be, fru be fruitful and multiply. But don't be deceived by the charm of it or the beauty of it. The beauty what? of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is fleeting. It can be. And But, but not us. Not we'll us. We'll be here next week. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a segue? You, you like guys that? you guys are really cool. Thanks for joining us. And um, if you're in Colorado, stay warm. Do. If you're not in Colorado, stay warm because there's a sure. lot of people that are places really cold. I'm personally sure. going to L.A. in the morning, so yeah, have fun. You'll in be the fine. Freezing. You'll be okay. <laughs> yep. So, so if you're a lanky guy, uh, lanky listener uh, in, in Los, Los Angeles or um, oh, yeah. in San Diego, um, reach out to me and maybe actually to be able to come say hi to you. Awesome. I'd, I'd love to tell you more about what we're doing, specifically at St. Thomas Aquinas, and yep. I'd love your support. Otherwise, you can send us an email or a. Facebook message. Um, you can send some or a Pinterest tweet. or a tweet. Yeah. Tweet. All right. We'll be back next week, you guys. Thanks for listening. See you then. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week. <laughs>